everybody, and welcome back to the Recharge Podcast. I am one of your hosts, Jessica. I am the second host, Nathan. Last host. There she Nicole, is. Here there I she am. Is. Last host. That's me. Well, hello, everybody. We're back after what feels like forever and today of oh recording a podcast. Gosh. It's been so long. It's Sorry, been so guys. long. I haven't seen your faces. But we're reunited, oh. and it reunited. feels so good. Okay, I'm not yeah. singing. <laughs> Please don't. I mean, I did, but <laughs> I'm not going to do any I more. I mean, it sounded good, the part that you had. I mean, I don't know about that. Yeah. yeah. Start You're not testing. American Idol ready yet. What? You're not, not American Idol ready uh, no. yet. No, never will be. I would vote for you. Thank you. You're See, welcome. All the love. Yeah. All the love on this side of the table. <laughs> Nathan's over face. there shaking his head. You can't <laughs> see like, him. He's like, what is this? Yeah, he's like, no. Uh, nope. Nope. Sorry. Nope. Yeah. So um, mass chaos in our world. I feel like that's yeah. the that's the theme of the year, it right? Really mass is. chaos. <laughs> yeah. um, my flexibility is just about out. <laughs> Yeah. feel like flexible is the name of the game, which is totally true. But this um, this year has been crazy. I mean, if you're listening and you're a school teacher, you know about the star debacle. Um, in so Texas, we, yeah, right? Yeah, in Texas, it's Texas been crazy. Yeah, our entire system online. went down. It was Not our system. Well, you're right. You're ab- that's system. absolutely true. The state testing system went down and, you know, hundreds of kids trying to test. And yeah. It was very comical watching Twitter. Oh, um, my Ur-Cot. favorite, which I was just you took the Ur-Cot. word I'm taking right it. out of my Ur-Cot. mouth. I literally thought the same thing. That <laughs> Who was the let best. Ur-Cot run star testing. It's so true, That's though. Awesome. The grid is down. <laughs> like, Speaking of that, did you guys see the other day when it was like 78 degrees? Urcot came out again and said we should conserve energy. I was like, oh, it doesn't bode well for the 119 in a couple of months. What's going to happen this not. summer? Oh God. Yeah. Everybody get your oh no fans wouldn't work. <laughs> They'd have to be plugged in. Battery vans. Oh, my gosh. It's been crazy. I don't want to think about that. No. I can't. Nope. Nope. Can't go there. We'll be fine. It's fine. fine. Everything's fine. It's like that dog. Like, it's fine. Everything's fine. We're like the house burning around him. Yeah. That meme. That's my favorite when they're drinking coffee. Yes. That's me. We're all going to be social distancing (laughs) in a swimming pool this summer. Oh, Oh, dude. That sounds wonderful. Speaking of. Speaking of. 24 and a half days. Where oh my god! Not that anyone's counting. Wait, twenty four and a half school like days. days. Okay, that's cool. all right. I was like, what? oh no no no, that's what? school days. That's like just over three weeks. Yep, oh. but school days. So right. we have dude, like I think five weeks left. We're almost there. Wow, that's that doesn't crazy. seem possible. Yeah, I know. Progress reports go out today, so we're halfway. Yep. Craig, Craig. Right. Wow. Yep. Right. Anyone doing anything fun this summer? I mean, I know we work after um, everyone goes home, but yeah. I don't know. I no. I don't even know what I'm doing like tomorrow. I'm kind of feeling so that way too. Yeah, that's where we're at too. Yeah, I mean, I guess <laughs> we're just gonna survive. We're today. really a joy to listen to today. <laughs> we're like, meh. Yeah. Meh. I mean, I guess I'll go see my husband at some point. <laughs> I guess I'll do that. Baseball wife, like whatever. Um, it's fine. But I'm sure. I'm sure I'll go see him wherever he is in that moment. All right. Would, would prefer him to come to Texas because it's more convenient for me. But I hear <laughs> that. I hear that. He doesn't I mean, live I'm sure for your convenience. <laughs> I yeah, know, right. Like, ugh. so anything else, guys? How's the tortoise? <laughs> more Winston, Winston's just you know doing his thing. Good. Just yeah, king of the tortoises. I love it. How yeah. big is his his uh, enclosure? Um, I'm trying to remember how many gallons it is because it's technically a fish tank. <laughs> it's I think. Amazing. I think technically it's pretty big. All we'll, right. we'll say that. Okay. It's pretty large. I really want, okay, this is a side note, and I don't, I, I'm not, um, I don't know. I'm not able to do it, but I'm trying to figure out how to do it. I've seen, like, coffee tables and stuff, like, big, like, coffee tables that, like, have your tortoise in them. So, it's, like, glass sides, and it's, like, a cool table on top. I'm like, that 
that's we have an office space that's like literally empty right now it's empty um we've been in the house for three years it's an empty room um and i was like that would be kind of cool in there and like winston would just be chilling like in the coffee table (laughs) (laughs) no words for this That's greatness. I have no words. The other concern is like he'd be like in eyeline with the French bulldog, (laughs) Gus. And I just, I think that would be a nightmare. Gus, 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 the French bulldog. I could see that driving him a little crazy. Um, well, I, I don't worry for Gus. I worry for Winston because Gus is relentless. Uh Um, yeah, he's just, that dog's a mess. (laughs) The more I think about it, I'm just like, God, the muscle mouse. I can't. I can't. I have no words today. Yeah. Sorry, y'all. I'm, I'm out of words. All right. Yes. Well, okay. So I, I, guess, no, I don't think so. We're not very interesting today, so no. we won't have a very long intro. I'm no. cool with that. Okay. Are you cool with that? Do you yes. have anything Nathan's interesting Nathan's not in saying life? anything. We're just sitting here staring into oblivion. You have nothing? <laughs> nothing for nothing. us? Nothing. I went to the dentist yesterday. Ugh. Oh, great. So that wasn't fun. But that's Look. interesting. Yeah. Uh-huh. So sets up for two and a half hours. Why two and a half hours? Um, because I'm uh, I haven't been to the dentist in a really long time. Well, so. COVID, that's okay. Uh, longer than longer COVID. Than okay, that. I was like. trying. <laughs> I was trying to give you an yeah. out. I, but no, okay. no, no, no. I have. You're welcome. I have fear of dentists. You oh, do? I do too. And so what? I avoid them at yeah. all costs. Me but too. I can't avoid it anymore. Mm. So I needed to go. Yeah, I don't what, like them either. What I don't. Did, what is scary about a dentist? So the last two times I went to the dentist, okay. when I was a kid. Uh, younger like um probably middle school high school i had to have a tooth extracted okay up here because i had two adult teeth and oh. they were growing on top of each other so they pulled one All so right. the other one would fall down in its place and they gave me a shot in the roof of my mouth Ooh. that is the worst pain i have ever felt yeah. in my entire life that. um so after that i was like mm, i'm not doing this again and then when i tried to go again i went to a janky place because that's all insurance would cover <laughs> And the janky place. Is it like a van? Just one. <laughs> pretty much. They Come just. It was like next door to the Walmart. And, and you know. Uh, and they just wanted money. So. Yeah. Oh, I see. They're like, oh, they you need you all had, like, this nine, work yeah. done. It's yeah. going to cost like $12,000. Like, nice. And I'm like, see, yeah, mine is I have like so many problems with my gums that like I'm, so, I'm tired of the same old story. Like, do you brush your teeth? Yes. Do you floss your teeth? Yes. Then why do your gums bleed? I don't know. That's why I pay you the money to figure it out. Exactly. So that's why I don't go because every time it's like. You might have gingivitis. They you shame might have you. Th- yeah. And I'm like, I mm-hmm. literally take care of my teeth. I just have bad gums. <laughs> like, that's just the reality of my situation. Also, I have a whole long story I won't go into. Like, I've had braces twice. They had to break the oh. roof of my mouth oh my, my God. with, like, a palate expander. Because, believe it or not, my mouth, the uh, all of my teeth were crowded because I have a small palate and I a small mouth, which okay, I know is hard I to believe because I'm so loud. I understand why you... <laughs> Yeah. Don't like dentists. Your mm-hmm. verdict's still on yours. Nathan. Rude. <laughs> yeah. It was I had a great experience yesterday. Oh, that's good. No problem. So I will Wonder. go back to them. Okay, good. good. Shout out to Prosper Family Dentistry. Oh yay. Not an ad. No. But if, but if you want if you want us, us. <laughs> I was, you took the words. We're about it. Yep. We'll I've always it. been told by my dentist every time they're always like, This is just fascinating teeth talk at this point. Um <laughs> See, we found us we podcast? found a spot today. Um I have very groovy teeth. Oh, groovy. Are you from the 70s? I, I, well, that's what I think every time. But every dentist I've ever gone to has always been like, gosh, the grooves in your teeth are so deep. And they're like, one of them was like, we could put you in a textbook. And I was like, I I don't know if I want to be in a textbook because of the grooves in my, I think that's cool though. Right? I mean, yeah. 
Wow. Oh, all right. One more tooth story and then we'll get all off right, teeth. And then we so need to go. Elia yeah. just went to the dentist, who's my daughter, because she has what's called a super tooth. A super tooth? Yeah. Okay. So when she was born, two of her teeth fused together what? on the bottom and it's wow. one big super tooth. tooth. Yeah. And we had all these concerns because if the tooth had two roots, when they oh. lose the baby teeth, like it could cause real problems because if one root died and the other one didn't, right. like whatever, it could cause an abscess, like all kinds of crazy wow. things. So she has to go to the dentist like every three months to check on this one tooth. And in the past, they had done x-rays trying to see if there was two teeth underneath yeah. or one tooth because obviously that Another would be like a huge tooth. gap. Yeah. Right. Um, so we're happy to report that she went to the dentist. And in fact, there's only one root to the super oh, tooth. Good. So when That's it becomes good. loose, Great it will news. fall out. And there's two teeth underneath. Wow. So she will not have another super tooth. Where yeah. is the super tooth? It's not her front two teeth. Okay, it's the good. one right to the oh, left okay. of it. So she has like a huge gap because it fused together. Wow. Yeah. It was crazy That's when crazy. she was little. I just thought she had, I thought it was an adult tooth when it came in. Yeah. And it's not. It's just a fused tooth. It's called a super I tooth. I didn't even know that was a thing. I've well, never heard of go. it. Knowledge. Fun fact of the day. Knowledge. Super teeth. I tell her she's a superhero, and that's why she has super teeth. Well, she's just super sassy. She's not a superhero. She's just super sassy. <laughs> <laughs> the stories of her always do crack me up. Where she's uh oh, you want? Do you want another good one? She I walked mean, in late from the dentist and told the receptionist at Rutgers. Shout out Andrea Escalante. She said, "I'm late. Give my tardy pass to Miss Balderas." who is the assistant principal at Rucker. <laughs> and Miss Escalante, who's lovely, says the tardy passes don't go to Miss Balderas. They go to Miss Hurley, who is the registrar. And my daughter said, give it to Miss Balderas. Oh, so oh, she's going to run the world one day, I'm convinced. I hope not for everyone else's sake. <laughs> but yeah, All I, mean, I can say is apple tree. Wow. Cool. Apple. On that note. <laughs> All right. Well, we're going to talk today. We're going to talk we about our, actual yeah. ISTE standards gonna, today like, and not on. about me. Um, okay. <laughs> so we're going to be looking at three ISTE standards today. Um, and they all kind of complement each other beautifully. See, I will we say. It. We, we planned we, yeah, we pl- no. We did. We I mean, we, we did. Everything's planned on this podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're going to be Five looking. Five minutes before. It's a, stop. Uh, <laughs> she's going to have to edit that oh out. Oh, God. Stop. I'm not going to. It needs to drop today. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> There's not time. Um, There's no time. There's no time. time. running out. Um, but, okay, mm. the three that we're going to look at are the computational thinker, knowledge constructor, and creative communicator. Not in that order. I'm just looking at my notes, and I can't read my own handwriting. <laughs> but we are. We are. We are bad. We are a hot mess today. today. You know, we're here, though. We are. And that's we're showing up. It's all that matters. We're here. And anyone who listens knows we're crazy anyway, so it's fine. I mean, it's fine. Yeah. It's good. Okay. Um, all right. So, yeah, we hope you enjoy this. Whatever it is. Initial deep dive into <laughs> the initial shallow deep dive. Um, I can't today. You. Okay, this is a mess. I'm going to have to edit this. All no, right. no, I think you great. leave it. It's amazing. <laughs> all right. Okay. Thanks, all right. guys. All right. All right. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Um, we're back we're back <laughs> first one we're going to talk about is knowledge constructor um and the i am statement here is i am curious which i think is just an inherent state for children oh my gosh yeah but they lose it right they, i think so. i was just whose fault say, is that though high school it's right? ours it's ours 100 totally percent ours that yep. was a rhetorical question yeah 100 percent ours i totally agree with that i think we talked about this on another podcast yeah. in another format but yeah i mean they come in Anybody who has kids or has taught younger kids, I mean, they come in and they have all the questions, right? Like right. they are curious about everything. And we're like, stop asking so many questions. Stop asking so many right. questions. And eventually they're like, 
well, well guess i won't guess i won't yep. ask any more questions so yeah and by the time they get to high school, they just want you to tell them. They exactly. don't want to yes. ask any more questions. Oh my God. They're like, just give me the grade, um, which is <laughs> yeah, yeah, a whole thing in and of itself. But I think part of the knowledge constructor, too, is that, um, is that constructor part where right. we're finding knowledge in different places. And I don't know. I think this is hard to do only because we really have to teach that digital citizenship before we can let our kids research freely. hundred mm-hmm. percent. Um, and I think we kind of limit them in that, right? Like we right. are limited in, especially in elementary, you know, we want them to be safe, totally valid. Um, but by only letting them research on Pebble Go or only letting them research on Mac and Via, we're not really letting them plan how they want to research and mm-hmm. what that looks like for them and finding information in all different places where I feel like when I was younger, at least, my mom would drop me off at the library and I did have to construct mm-hmm. knowledge. I had to go through all different yep. kinds of books. I had to find what I needed in anywhere that I, you know, had to look for it where now it's kind of like with Google, I don't, you don't really construct knowledge much anymore. You just kind of, no, you just sort of input yeah. your question and then click on the right. first couple. Well, and you have right. to analyze it now, right? right. Because yeah. what's a reputable source. Totally. And yeah. Wikipedia is not a reputable no. source. Newsflash. Right. But and if I you, think okay, that's a huge teach you, piece for our kids. It is, but I think if you teach like people how to use Wikipedia responsibly. Yeah. So like, don't just take Wikipedia at the face value. Look right. at where it's being cited. Then go to yes. the, the site. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And within Wikipedia, and then sometimes like you can find you can find good pieces of information. But sometimes too, you've got somebody like completely manipulating. Yep. The original source totally to fit agree. a different narrative. But so I think that that's a, you know. Wikipedia should it be your your one stop shop for correct all the opinion? things absolutely yeah. not. However, I think it can be taught to be used responsibly. Yeah, and that's part of knowledge constructor, right? Is it's you have to critically evaluate and select your knowledge. You right. can't just go in there and say like, oh well, the internet told me blah blah oh my blah. God. Yeah, you have exactly. to kind of validate. And it's so funny you say the thing about Google because. The other day I Googled something and I realized there was 12 pages of results for what I had Googled. I didn't make it past the first four like no. responses. So I was like, yeah. I wonder what's on page 12, right? Yeah. So I click on page 12 and sure enough, page 12 had like scholarly articles right. related to wow. what I had Googled. And yeah. I was like, why is that on page 12? And it's the truth is because the people on page one are paying to be on page yep. one. Right. Exactly. Yeah. But I mean, that's a Yeah. I think that's just something we have to bring up to our kids is like when we research what's effective, what's not, how do we find those things? And what do we do with it once we have it? I think that's the other piece, right? Have you seen like, that meme yes. that's something about if you want to hide something so well, put it on page two of your Google to- search? It's totally true. nobody ever yeah, goes there. No, no one ever goes there anymore, you know, and we're not curating information either. We're not taking our knowledge and kind of fusing it all together right. and using that to form an opinion. Yeah. yeah. I know. I, yeah, it's hard. But it's this kind of spiral, though, because then I sit there and go, well, what is reputable, to your point? What's reputable anymore? Can we trust... True where things are coming from and and who's putting them there and why they're there Mm -hmm. and are they biased and I don't know I feel like it's like topsy-turvy right now right well and shout out to our amazing Prosper ISD librarians because I know the ones I've worked for worked with worked for Rachel likes to think that Uh, (laughs) the ones the ones I've worked with I've done really good jobs of going into classrooms and teaching students how to search reputable sources and what does that look like and being able to analyze that so shout out to those yeah i love they do a lesson in elementary called trash or treasure Mm -hmm. and it's so valuable to the kids to see even things that look really pretty and look like they're well designed could be trash 
Like that's the problem, right? Like people spend all this money creating these websites and you're like, oh, clearly that's reputable. And then you look at the bottom and you're like, maybe not so much. I think it's not teachers pay teachers. Right. Because it's pretty doesn't mean it's good. For real. Um, It's another podcast. But I think like for the older (laughs) kids, a good vocabulary word to use with that. I always think about that is like, what's the agenda of the, what is the agenda of the writer? Right. Like what are they? And then like it kind of bias is an important word, but I think sometimes like kids get lost in what bias truly can Mm -hmm. mean. And they're like, well, I'm biased. And it becomes this like weird circular. Yeah. Yeah. Like where, where do I find it? Versus if you're like, what is the agenda of the author? What do they want to achieve? Um, and then you can kind of document because the big thing with a knowledge constructor is they are constructing and building their own knowledge, but they have to do it strategically. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. not just a click through the first three links in Google. Yeah. It's like kind of digging deeper into it and having a, a game plan of attack mm-hmm. with whatever they're researching and looking into. Um, and with that kind of, they, you know, it, it can consistently change and be tweaked as they get further into their research. Um, but they're really trying to just create a collection of knowledge yep. and then formulate their own opinion. To me, that's how I kind of see like the epitome of the knowledge constructors. You're taking what's pre-existing and formulating your own opinion from that. Totally. And I think in elementary, the way we foster that, especially like, you know, in kinder, right, when they are wondering, is we just flip the question. When they ask a question, it's not either A, we don't have time for that, or B, right. whatever. You just say to them, where would I find the answer to that question? Yeah. How exactly. could you How could you find the answer to that question? And I think some of those questions that don't have natural answers are the best ones. Right? Oh, I agree. Like, my daughter will ask these big abstract questions that, like, I literally don't know how to answer. Yeah. Um, and I've started saying to her, well, where would I go to find the answer? And how would I know that that's the right answer? And what does that look like? And I think getting them into that habit of like, I'm powerful enough to find mm-hmm. the yes. answers to these questions and I can ask whatever I want. Yeah. Um, and to feel okay when it doesn't pop up on yes. Google. Right. Cause those are the best questions. Yep. Right. Like I don't know, like some of the big essential questions, like you're not going to find an answer to that on Google. Yeah. And so like, if we're just telling kids like, I don't know, Google it. And it's like, it, it's too big of a question mm-hmm. maybe for Google to kind of begin to encompass. Yeah. Um, that's okay. Right. Mm-hmm. But like where, what, smaller questions can you ask to maybe right, breaking it down exactly which brings in the computational thinking piece which it we'll does. talk to in a little bit yeah oh, look at that transition I know. that's a so good transition good. things like so that. i know it's so like good we plan it or something <laughs> yeah so the computational thinker is i'm a solver mm-hmm. right so it, it is all the things you would think about about sequencing and breaking down problems and organizing and kind of having that math brain yeah. way of looking at a problem yeah mm-hmm. um for me this is not how my brain works. I am very type A and logistical. So like I make lists, I can see the long-term, I can plan. Yes. But, um, but do you not think that fits in it? I think it does. I just think I would love to get better at the computational thinker part. Like the algorithmic part. Yeah. I always think of this one as like, I just look for sequences. I look for Mm -hmm. patterns. I look for, and so I think I like this one. When you look at our little graphic that we like to use for ISTE, like the organizing of the data Mm -hmm. and like, okay, I've gathered my resources. I put them in a centralized location and then how do I want to organize this? And so like, I think with the classes that I'm currently in, we, we do something called a literature crosswalk for our, for our, um, articles that we pull. Mm -hmm. And we basically put it all in a spreadsheet and we break it down like author, date of publication, journal, et cetera, like kind of on through. And then you can sort by these different places. So you can very quickly see like, 
okay, in the last 10 years, there's been a total of nine articles published, three of which have been in the last two years, right? And you can see the patterns. And so even though I maybe not like as math brained as I would like to be, um, I think you can, the way you organize the data and structure it, I think... I think that can fall under the computational thinking. And I probably do that part more than I'm giving myself credit for. I think for me, it's slowing down in order to to go through the process and the patterns, right? Like I can jump as an adult, I can jump to like, okay, problem. Let's come up with a solution. Let's think through the steps. Let's implement. But Mm -hmm. slowing down and really taking a look at those, I think alleviates some of those problems in the end, right? Like if I can see those patterns before I get to that point, right? Maybe it'll still fail, but I'll be able to turn right. it around quicker, which I, I think, think is the point. The biggest misconception with this one, too, is people automatically think it has to be something related to math. Right. Yeah. It's computational or, science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. or science. Right. Yep. Um, and I think we have to kind of think about it as a more of that critical thinking piece mm-hmm. and kind of take the computational where our brain takes it to math kind of out of right. that. Yeah. Right. Because it's more procedural, really, than it really computational. It's organizational. A hundred percent. Yeah. And the ability to see the big and break it down into little mm-hmm. parts, right? Like you can, as that expression, like you can see the wood trees through the forest, something like that. I um, always get that one I do wrong. too. I, so I shouldn't have even used it because as soon as I said it, I'm like, I don't really like, know yeah, what that is. That's okay. <laughs> but I think too, being vulnerable and mm-hmm. like modeling for our kids that this type of thinking involves failure, right? Like when you are thinking this way and you're being right. strategic and you're creating these sequences there's a good chance that what you're thinking isn't the way it's going to roll out. Yep. So that making sure that you model that in the classroom. Um, again, I think this happens very naturally with very young children, mm-hmm. but as they get older, they get desensitized and they don't want mm-hmm. to fail in that way. Right. Um, Cause they realize that's a reflection on them. And right. when they're kids, they don't care because they just don't know. They just move on. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my daughter creates costumes for her Barbies out I of balloons. I was just about to bring that up and how I remember you talking about that in another another episode and saying how, like, well, it didn't work and how yep. healthy that is to yep. be like, all right, well, let's try it a different way. Yeah, she did Instead it the other of being day. Like, you can't do anything. Yeah. But, um, she was know. making dresses for her Barbies out of solo cups. And she was cutting holes in them and making these skirts and, you know, doing all the things. And she finally realized that using like the big scissors to cut the hole in the top was too much, was too much. So she's like, mommy, how do I make the hole? Like, how do I make that smaller? Do we have a smaller scissor? Like she couldn't come up with another way to anyway. Um, But that type of thinking and her being able to give me possibilities is what we're trying to do with the kids. Right. They can get to a problem. They can come up with a plan and they can kind of use that scientific method so mm-hmm. to say to like work through an issue which yeah. could even be an elar which was oh, your for example. sure right? yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah absolutely it's just solving you know looking for for sequences to solve an, a problem of some sort yeah i think that's the best way to, to break it down and so, i know we don't go ahead nathan sorry no, so no. my brain again like you said kind of has a hard time thinking this way so what examples have you guys seen or have you seen in classrooms that really showcase this so uh, that's uh, there's a tool and I know we don't normally like really dive into tools on our podcast but there's a tool called Kialu. Love. Love it. Now make Kialu. sure you go to Kialu edu. Shout out to Ryan Denham here at Rock Hill for finding that. Like that was a that was a gold It is. It's awesome. So cool. It really fosters this type of thinking and it really also fosters like citing evidence and pro con and like it it's really an amazing tool on steroids. It's so good. And oh, it's amazing. If you could just throw any conversation in any subject area up on Kialu and have it broken down in the way that it breaks it down, you will foster this type of thinking 
to like the max because it's literally breaking down each part of a problem. They have to use their data. They have to organize it. They have to have these kind of pro con lists. So for me, that tool has been a, a game changer. Yeah. Um, in elementary, a lot of the um, kind of stereotypical makerspace stuff lends itself mm-hmm. to this type of yes, thinking, obviously coding, you know, but I think we're trying as a team to break away from that kind of computational thinker is only coding. It exactly. is, but right. that's not the only thing that it means. It's not just, you know, um, block coding or drag and drop right. and stuff like that. So if you're looking to um, dive deeper into this or want to know more about it, you can obviously Google the standard, but reach out to your future ready designer or instructional technology coach. That's a great place to mm-hmm. kind of talk through some ideas. Anything in secondary you guys are seeing in this world, I feel like kind of lends itself easier. Yeah, I, I guess like in my head, because I'm I, I keep trying to think of examples that maybe aren't your stereotypical science math mm-hmm. with this with this standard. And I think even you know, a graphic organizer for your social studies or your mm-hmm. um, yep. your your English where you're kind of formulating an essay and an answer and a thesis and, and kind of your your reasonings behind these things. I think that can can count as computational thinking because yeah. you're breaking it down, finding the pattern, finding the evidence that supports you um, and sort of solving this mini problem, which yeah. is the question essentially. Right. And so I think this can be done on a on a multitude of scales. Um, so I wouldn't I wouldn't sweat this one. Yeah. I think you're doing it and you just yeah. get afraid of the words, which is what I was doing. Like every time right. I hear this, I'm like, I don't do Well, that. because you think computational, you think compute, yeah. right? Yep. Like you, you think, do. Yep. And, it, and it's not, I don't think that is what it is. I would like it to be. I will say coming from elementary to middle school, I've noticed um, with curriculum designers, yeah. they're using a lot more and it, it it's worded differently by content area, but claim evidence reasoning, mm-hmm. right. doing lots of those. And I know that my science teams are u- using those a yeah. lot. Um, social studies teams are using, a, they call it something different. Right. Um, but it's the same idea. Yeah. And that's where you're pulling in some of this type of thinking as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. And then the last one we're going to talk about today is kind of how do we communicate this, right? Like yep. how do we share our thinking with the world? How do we express ourselves? Um, and this most of the time is used in kind of the end game, mm-hmm. right? So it's, yep. it's when we're publishing, when we're presenting, how do, how do I express myself in the right way? And for me, the biggest one I go back to with this is one of um, kind of the bullets under that is that you know your audience. Yes, big deal. And big deal right there. I think it's so important that we teach our kids that our response is completely dependent on who and what we're talking to, right? Like the way that we, although I shouldn't, this is not a good example. I was going to say the way that we talk on this podcast is not the same as when we talk right. in like, but it's true, right? If I'm presenting at a conference or if I'm on this podcast, my audience is much different than me talking to my daughter about how to solve a problem or how to, right. you know, kind of do something. So I think it's important that when we teach our kids, we teach our kids that audience matters. And yes. I don't know in elementary sometimes that we use that language early enough. And I think mm. we could. I think with littles, we could focus on like, who are you who, showing? Who are yeah. you showing this to? If you're showing this to a friend, or if you're showing this to a teacher, or if you're putting this on the internet, it'll look three different ways. Right. And and how is it different? So I think that's an important one and one that, I don't know, I think kind of becomes an afterthought because it's the end game mm. of a project, right? So by the yeah. time they hand it in, we're like, cool, you're done. Awesome. Over. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I, with that comes the whole, like the evaluation of the, of the, which, which tool and which platform do you mm-hmm. need to kind of adequately used to 
show what, what you're trying to showcase essentially. Um, and I think there can be a lot of confusion with the empowered learner within this, within this one, um, because the empowered learner is kind of like your students being empowered to make those correct decisions. And I think that that's okay that there's confusion between those two, because the, like you said earlier, this is the end game, mm -hmm. right? This is how they're expressing themselves at the end, but they need that empowered learner piece to kind of evaluate yep. what they want. And that's the beauty of the ISTE standards. I don't think any of them can be done in isolation. Totally. Um, I think some of them may be over a lot more than others. Yep. Um, and you know, and I think this is one of those cases, but sometimes when you look at our standards, um, even though they're not essentially meant to be taught in isolation, they, they can be yeah. right. They can be, they're meant to kind of be a fluid continuation on of each other, but mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's easy to separate right yeah it's not easy to separate these no no <laughs> i all. mean and you're probably doing four or five at oh, any given time easily you when just you're... don't know you're doing it exactly and i think one of the coolest parts of creative communicator is kind of this customization right like and the critical thinking that goes into you've created this end product right how do we now customize what you've created for different audiences mm -hmm. what does that look like what yeah, what adjustments need to be made. And I think that carries you from elementary all the way through secondary mm -hmm. because you're, how you communicate things, that's how people view you. And that's the reality, what your For social sure. media looks like right. or what you're, you know, you're sending a message without sending a message. And 20 years ago, that wasn't the case. Exactly. You didn't have to worry about those nope, things because it didn't exist. So, you know, even your formatting, right? Like we joke, but there are certain fonts that you use within Google Docs uh -huh. that tell a lot about you. Yeah. And I know that sounds silly, but I think that is part of this communication, right? Like I know For my sure. audience, if For I'm sure. publishing something professional, I'm not going to pick the font that has like squiggles and dots on it. I'm going to pick a professional right. font. I'm not going to have my bitmoji all right. over. Right. No wingdings. No wingdings. Right. Oh my God. Wingdings. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Um, but I think, that those are the things that slip through the cracks that sometimes mm -hmm. we don't really teach. We model a lot, but we, we do. don't necessarily explicitly teach like this is how this is perceived right. when you send this, right? Even this sounds silly again, but like when you write an email, what is oh, your God. salutation? Yeah. How are you greeting that person? Is mm -hmm. it professional? Is it personal? What does that look like with different people? Um, exclamation, all those things. Mm -hmm. I'm getting like really deep diving into this, but no, but it, you're absolutely right. Is a really important thing for for kids to know it's more than like the end product and and just like oh however you show it you can do a video or a podcast or right. whatever it, it's it's more than that it's beyond that it's it's who are you who are you addressing and how right. are you going to get your message across clearest yeah you know and that expression we always want to foster self-expression in our kids mm -hmm. and letting them express you know however they want to but there is also that audience piece of is what you're about to do appropriate for the audience you're about to do it for right it, does it work True. in this setting and giving that awareness of not everything works in every setting mm -hmm. so yeah that's it i agree that's all i got <laughs> that's all i got I'm out, I'm out of i'm out of all the things so now that we're kind of wrapping up this series on you know the isd standards kind of this shallow deep dive as we've been calling it which is my favorite <laughs> term um we want you to really take a look now like globally at all of them mm -hmm. and um, what Jessica was talking about before, kind of how they all intertwine and how they overlap, which is obviously the point of them because what we're really trying to create are these digital age learners. Right. And digital age learners doesn't mean tied to a computer all day. Right. 
it means they're living in a digital age where things are digitized right like you can't go to the library anymore and kind of do the things we used to do because they don't exist exactly (laughs) everything is digital so we have to um it's teaching kids how to navigate that yeah that is our job and i think we have to get out of our comfort zone sometimes Mm -hmm. with how comfortable we are with digital world and remember that no matter what good bad or indifferent this is the world they live in and the world they're growing up in right and it's our responsibility as educators to give them the tools to navigate right and, and we have to be anymore. able to teach them because it's not going to stay this way forever it's nope. going to change again to mm-hmm. so yep. they have to know how to adapt yeah yep. i mean and that flexibility is really really important i mean i don't know um this doesn't relate directly to our kids but you know prosper isd just did a virtual job fair right, right? Mm-hmm. so that's a new way of thinking about even applying for jobs right like you're in this virtual space and yeah i'll tell you i was on there with one of our schools and you know people are popping up and there's a little spot for your picture and you know people had car selfies where they were in their car oh with their seatbelt on and they took a <gasps> selfie with their phone so nice. like although it's not an isti standard that falls into so many of these of it like does. yeah do you know your audience? Are you being responsible as a digital citizen? Like, where are those things coming from? Mm-hmm. And I just, those are like those missed opportunities that I think we yeah. don't always yeah. correlate, mm-hmm. um, but it matters. It does. I also did that same thing. And I was surprised by the number of people that didn't have a picture at all, which yeah, also see, says something, yeah, right? Yeah, for sure. It also says something. What, because then you're thinking, well, what are you trying to hide? It, you, 100%. Do you have something to hide from me? Yeah. You know, so then you're starting to question those things and I'm not focused on the quality things that you're saying. Yep. And you're clicking on resumes, right? And mm-hmm. um, we pulled up a resume as a team. And one of the resumes she has as a bullet, enter your accolades here. Oh, so God. it literally oh, was, was a template. A template uh, yeah, but she didn't But she it. didn't take the time which. to like proofread, right? So mm-hmm. again, you make an assumption about that person, which is not necessarily the correct right. assumption. However, you're leading me by your... But it's that attention to detail, yep. right? And it's like, I can't tell you how many PLCs and teachers that I've spoken to and that that's been a frustration where it's like, mm-hmm. oh my gosh, like I post the directions and they, they're still just not, yep. I mean, it's the same, right? Well, yeah. It's how many all the times, same skill, right? Well, like, yeah, we say to the kids, well, when I went back and showed them, they were able to do it. Right. So that shows that they're not taking that time mm-hmm. to kind of walk through. And that's that computational thinking, yeah. right? Like I can do this in a systematic way mm-hmm. that I'm going to be successful. Right. So fostering that and directly teaching that I think is important because I don't know Super that important. they don't just get it through osmosis. And sometimes no. I, when I was a teacher, you kind of like just like, well, you should just do that. And right. Like, well, <laughs> yeah, we but if they've to never been told to to do right. that, or at least aren't you know maybe they've been told once or twice mm-hmm. it's not put into practice right yeah it's hard well it's know? those old school things of like you know i i used to give them to my eighth graders where like you give them a 60 question pop quiz in the last and i would tell them to read all the questions first and the last question was don't answer any of these questions just right. put your name at the top and hand it in right like sounds silly but right i, I mean i would say 60 percent of the class didn't do it Right. And then they're sitting there doing the work and the other kids that did it are looking around like, what's going what's on? What's going on? Yeah. And, you know, but those are the things that with the ISTE standards, they don't have to be some deep dive technological no, high level oh, integration. No. Yeah. It's literally teaching kids to think mm-hmm. and work through 
problems is really all yeah, it is. Yeah, for sure. No, that's, I think that's the best way you can put it. That's, that's what it is. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of misconceptions sometimes when you hear ISTE and when you hear, you know, the four C's and all this stuff, it's like everything has to be so technical, yeah. technological <laughs> and so fancy and so groundbreaking. Like, no, no, no. Just talk to kids. We're, we're asking them to use the same skills as we did before technology. It's just now we have an added layer of having to teach them how to use this responsibly. Yep. That's yep. that's exactly. all. That's only that's all, if that helps you think about it. That's the only additional layer here is like how can they use this responsibly and effectively? Yep. And yep. coming up um, in a future podcast, hopefully the next one that you hear, yeah, we're gonna I'm excited. We're gonna show you um, teachers that are doing this work right mm-hmm. and are doing it at an exceptional level. Yeah. And I want to add to that the teachers that you know we're we're trying to work with at least. You know the high school teachers that I'm trying to wrangle in and get <laughs> get that convince them to come on. They d- didn't know they're doing this, right? But I see that like they don't necessarily have a working context of what ISTE is or can recite all of the standards and all of the substandards within the standards, but they're doing it. And I I want to point that out because I guarantee you're listening to this, you are doing and these I, things. Sure. This is love, a whole new thing. I love that you said that. So call mm-hmm. your instructional technology coach mm-hmm. or future ready designer into your room and say hey could you tell me which ones of these you think i'm already doing oh my god we would die like, to heaven yes like we'd melt. best conversation ever but like yeah. get them in there let them see it because exactly what jess just said you're probably doing many many Guarantee many of these it. every day and you Guarantee don't even know it, it. yeah or yeah. you're doing something and you can make one little yep. tweak. You're right. It's so simple. Yep. Just and an then additional conversation are, or additional exactly. question. And there you are. You're, and you're right hitting there. it right there. Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we're super excited about that coming up. We're hoping we can get the scheduling together. Yeah. Um, it, it's looking promising. Yes. I will say that. It and it will be 10 weeks until we drop our next podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Promise. Yeah. No, we won't. Yeah. We're sorry. Try. Sorry about that again, guys. Just, yeah. you know, it's been, been a wild ride. Yeah. Thanks for sticking with us. Yeah, we, we appreciate you. Yeah, we do. You know what we also appreciate is Dr. Bradley. Yep. We do. His dedication to safety. Yes. So, in the famous words of Dr. Bradley, don't don't prop prop doors. doors. Goodbye. Peace out. Bye.